We return this morning to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. We complete this morning our consideration of the Lord's model prayer. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning to return to this unique section of thy blessed word. And today are introduced with thoughts so large, so big, that it's hard for the mind to conceive them. It is at times hard for the heart to believe them. And yet we do believe. And yet we are inclined to say, as did the man of old, help our unbelief. We ask for thy spirit's work through the word as we would seek to respond to you faithfully based upon the clear revelation of thy written word. Bless now we pray your people as they consider the scriptures. And for that we will praise you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. The kingdom is God's. The power is God's. The doxology is God's forever. Amen. We have considered the three Godward requests in this model prayer at the very beginning. Those three Godward requests have to do with God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. We have also considered the three manward requests of this model prayer, namely, give us, forgive us, and lead us. And now we come to the threefold recognition that constitutes the close of the model prayer. Like a trumpet of praise, the model prayer ends with the recognition that the kingdom is God's kingdom, that the power is God's power, and that the glory, or doxology, is God's. By way of an extended introduction, I'd like us to deliberately think about the three characteristics of the one and true God to whom we pray, as represented here in our text. The first set of three requests, as previously studied, Godward requests, about God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will, are governed by the phrase, in earth as it is in heaven. That means that there is a contingency and a time-related element 
to those first three God word requests as it relates to bringing uh, in the experience of earth that which indeed is the experience of God's abode in heaven. The second set of three requests involving food, forgiveness, and freedom from sin is, of course, all governed by the word daily. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, food, forgiveness, freedom from sin. And now, concluding uh, the uh, element of three Godward requests and three manward requests uh, are these recognitions of God and the three elements of recognition uh, concerning God, namely his kingdom, his power, and his glory are all governed by the words forever and amen. We are talking about uh, uh, the forever kingdom. We're talking about the forever power. We're talking about uh, the forever glory. And of course, amen. Amen is more than just a simple word of generic affirmation. Amen is the transliteration of the Old Testament Hebrew word, amen, and the New Testament Greek word, amen. The Hebrew word is understood as saying, so be it. It is so. It is true. It was the congregational word employed in Israel in response to the one true God and his faithful revelation of himself to the Jewish nation. In the New Testament Greek, the word is understood as meaning that which is true, that which is reality, that which is truly or verily uh, uh, to be confirmed. The Lord Jesus often placed the word, amen, and on some occasions twice, at the beginning of a declaration or revelation of truth. For example, verily, verily, amen, amen, the Greek rendering, amen, amen, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, John 5, 24. There are some 30 occasions in Matthew's gospel account where Jesus introduces a revelation or a declaration uh, with the word verily, or if you will, the word amen, concerning a certainty of truth of which there is no controversy. But the thing that is most astounding to me about the word of revelation, this word of affirmation, is that, of course, it is in of itself one of the names for God the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ is the amen. He is the so be it. He is the, uh, it is true. He is the verily. He is the truly. He is the amen. Revelation 3.14, the ascended Lord Jesus references himself as the amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. Jesus often used the word amen and indeed is the great amen. Amen is the word that ends our prayers of praise and petition 
And in fact, it is the name in which we are instructed to pray, the blessed name of Jesus. Now let's connect the amen with the three concluding phrases in the model prayer as we have it here at verse 13. Number one, thine is the kingdom. That is a theological reference to the underived authority of God. The reason why kingdom is brought back up here at the end of the model prayer has to do with a reminder, with the recognition of the underived authority of God. God is completely authoritative and his rule is over all. Although foolish and sinful man competes against it at this present time, we are assured in multiple scriptures that the time will come when God's eternal rule on earth will exist without any sinful competition. The clear eschatological expectation is that God's rule is eternal and will soon operate on earth in perfect righteousness. This is the manifestation of the kingdom for which we pray, Thy kingdom come. That kingdom of promise and prophecy is God's own kingdom. And as Jesus said it to Pilate, it is not of this world. That does not mean it will not dominate forever this earth and the world. It simply means that the orientation of the authority of that kingdom is not grassroots up, but God down. God has underived authority. And God has a specific eternal plan for his underived authority. And it is the plan of God, it is the will of God, that his underived authority will be manifest in heaven and on earth. And of course, that is the basis upon which we pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. Uh, God is king of the eternal kingdom. And when you and I pray, when you and I uh, uh, lift our hearts before the Lord in prayer, we are praying to the one true God of underived authority. There is no authority higher than God. You and I pray to the God of authority whose kingdom is forever you and I are wise to make sure that we construe our sense of citizenship in relationship to God's kingdom because that is indeed the forever kingdom in all the earth number two Thine is the kingdom and the power. We pray to the one true God of absolute ability. 
We pray to the one true God of absolute authority. We pray to the one true God of absolute ability. The word power here is reference to God's exclusive power and ability. We have taught even our children of this by the word omnipotence. God is fully and completely potent. He can do anything he desires to do without any limitation. He is, as he is called, the Almighty. You and I pray to the God of unlimited ability. I don't know about you, but when, when you have a problem, when I have a problem, and you go to a place to seek help, uh, sometimes when you go to that place to seek help, uh, you are not uh, aware if there is anything that they can really do about your problem. And sometimes you know uh, that uh, they can do something about their, your problem, but they might not want to do about your problem. And you'd be wise if you're going to the car dealer and, uh, and, uh, and have something in your car to be resolved. Yeah, you'd be wise uh, to, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to make sure you have a good attitude when you go in there because uh, there's two issues at play at the car dealer. Number one, uh, can the guy fix it? Uh, and uh, and in, in most cases, the answer would be yes. And then the next thing is, will he? Will he fix it? And sometimes that's an issue. And you don't want to go in there and say, I bought this piece of junk here, and I, I thought it was a good deal, and it turned out to be a nasty thing, and I want, you better go, you better, you better, you know, you might not get the most help doing that. You might be wise to posture yourself and, and approach the car dealer by saying, you know, I got a problem here. I don't know what to do with it. And then when he says, oh, we can take care of that, and they say, you know, well, I'd, I'd appreciate that. That'd be, that'd be good. Uh, you know, you have to deal with such things in this world because you're dealing with sinful people. And sometimes they can, but they don't want to. But when you and I think about God, we not only recognize that he has unlimited power, but that in goodness and mercy he has chosen to use that power to be of help to us. And so we really have no means to quibble against the power of God or his want to concerning us. And when you and I bow our heads and talk to God about the ebb and flow of life, the little bit of nitty-gritty stuff that happens day in and day out, uh, uh, this day and that day and beyond, uh, it is phenomenal to be reminded that you and I pray to the God of absolute authority and that we pray to the God of absolute ability who has made it clear that concerning us, he wants to. And that doesn't mean that he wants to give us every little quim and thing that our hearts would desire apart from him. But he who made all things and sustains all things and has determined all creaturely outcomes to ultimately be reflective of his rest, a rest in his own righteousness and peace and joy, that God has not only told us what he plans to do, but we know that he has the power to do it. When I stop and look at the lay of the land politically, when I stop and look at the lay of the land 
functionally, when I stop to look at the, what's happening among families today, when I stop and look at the, what's happening in the world today, well, I tell you, it's easy to just have the thought. It's just one screwed up mess. And indeed it is because of sin. And yet God not only has the power, but he has a sense of want to, to work in our lives, to accomplish his purposes, his will, that will play out in righteousness, peace, and joy. He has the power to do that. His word is as well as done. His almighty power is eternal. He is forever able. And you and I pray to the one true God of unlimited ability. Now let me just pause right here before we continue to say that a lot of times when I listen to myself pray, do you listen to yourself pray? It's a lot of times when I, when I listen to myself pray, it's pretty evident that I haven't exactly become mindful in the moment of who I'm talking to. And a lot of times when you listen to other people pray, it's quite evident that they're not mindful in the moment of who they're talking to. And when you're going to talk to God about God will request, like his kingdom come and his will be done and his name be hallowed, and you're going to talk to God about your manward request, like, Lord, I, have, I need food and I need forgiveness and I need freedom uh, from, the, uh, from the realities of sin in my personal life. If you're going to talk to God about those kind of things, then it is essential that you remember who you're talking to and that you remember that you talk to the one true God of underived authority, that you talk to the one true God of unlimited ability, authority, ability. Thine is the kingdom and the power. And number three, and the glory. We pray to the one true God whose aura is absolute glory or doxology. By definition, the word aura is, quote, a distinctive characteristic or quality emanating from a person. Emanating means that it's coming from inside them out. There isn't any better word to attach to the idea of the glory of God than the aura of his glory. God is glorious, and something of that glory has been manifested within every man. Something of that glory has been manifested to every man in creation. And God has faithfully spoken to men for the benefit of mankind, as recorded in the Holy Scriptures, based upon the testimony of his Son. God has spoken above all else in the person of his Son, God the Son, our Savior. Thus, John the Apostle speaks of the Apostles being eyewitnesses to his glory, the glory as of the only begotten, of the Father, John 1.14. The Apostle Paul tells us that 
in God's own time, he will show the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the only one that hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. We pray to the one true God of intrinsic glory. His glory and greatness are incomprehensible in the full, and we are humbled both by what we do see of it and by what we do not know of it. But God surely is greater in glory than our eyes have ever seen, greater in glory than our minds can conceive, greater in glory than our hearts are inclined to believe. Great glory. Glory without limitation. And so when you and I pray, just think about who we're talking to. We're talking about talking to the God of, uh, of underived authority. We're talking to the God of unlimited ability. And we're talking about the God of intrinsic glory. Glory is his aura. Glory is what emanates from his person, from within. It isn't something that he just seeks to bring to himself. He is glorious, just as he is powerful, and just as he is authoritative. God's own authority, God's own ability, God's own aura modify in our text, by the word, forever. Forever authority, forever ability, forever aura. His is the eternal kingdom. His is the eternal ability. His is the eternal aura. No wonder we say amen. That's the introduction. Now, with our extended introduction complete, we pause to note the complement to this forever trio of emphasis. This forever trio of emphasis. I like that, that entitlement. Here's in a forever trio of emphasis. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. And I want to emphasize this forever trio of emphasis for two reasons this morning. First and foremost is the fact that nothing could better remind us of the one true God to whom we pray than this trio, this forever trio of emphasis, God's authority. God's ability, God's aura. And the second reason why I bring to you this forever trio of emphasis 
the second reason, which happens to be a sad reason, is that the phrases under study have been subjected to the critics' cutting. There is no doubt that the restatement of the model prayer given by the Lord Jesus one year and three months later than on this occasion, that next time the Lord references what we tend to call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, no doubt about the fact that in the restatement of the model prayer, Luke 11 is where you'd find it, by the way, one year and three months later uh, is when the Lord restates the prayer uh, as his disciples, rather prayerless disciples, come to him uh, asking him to teach them to pray. And on that occasion of Luke 11, as recorded in Luke 11, uh, you do not have these words about kingdom, power, and glory as we have it here. Uh, modern biblical criticism uh, casts doubt, oftentimes, <laughs> where there is no doubt. And without hesitation, we can say that we do pray to the God of the eternal kingdom, the God of the eternal power, and the God of the eternal glory, and that this forever trio of emphasis is not just represented in the model, it's represented in the whole of the scriptures. That this trio of forever emphasis is really a big feature again and again and again in and throughout all the pages of the Word of God. So I'd like to demonstrate to you a little bit of that. Time will not permit the whole of the study, but I'd like to demonstrate a little bit of that for you so that you can understand exactly where it is that we're coming from when it, when it becomes absolutely imperative for us to understand the blessedness of uh, understanding the greatness and the goodness of the one true God to whom we do pray. The God of the eternal kingdom, the God of the eternal ability, the God of the eternal glory. Authority, ability, and aura. First, this triumphant expression of theology proper that governs our New Testament prayers has a parallel in the biblical past. First Chronicles chapter 29, please. First Chronicles and chapter 29. King David knew that his days were numbered when he called for the Jewish nation and his son Solomon to come together for a special time of worship and dedication. His special desire, his special life time on earth desire was that a place, a tangible place, would be built for God in Jerusalem. He gave himself, David gave himself, diligently to prepare for 
the construction of that place, even though he knew from God that it was not his to build the temple. And so in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David has called together his son Solomon, has called together the attention of the nation of Israel, has called for the gathering of materials that will be used for the building of the temple. And then David, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 10, begins to pray. And David says, 29.10, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise Thy glorious name. Ever heard that before? I tell you that David is praying uh, the model prayer. That David is remembering exactly as you and I are led to remember uh, the uniqueness of God's authority, the uniqueness of God's ability, the uniqueness of God's glory as the foundation upon which you and I are to pray. Why? What is it that you and I would have to say to the God of all authority, of all ability, of all the glory? And should we ask amiss, would we not quickly be okay with saying, God, you know best? I don't know. I can't think of it. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to make it work out. Like a bird in the wilderness waiting to be fed. Oh God, my God, great is thy name. You are authoritative without measure, able without limit. Glorious in totality. Thy perfections cannot be adequately stated by any man or angel. Oh God, we bow before thee. Knowing a little bit and only a little bit of just how great you are. And we bring to you our petitions. And think of how David then said concerning God. Look at that again, verse 12. 
and in thine hand it is to make great. God, would you make us good? Would you make us great? Would you make us right? Would you make us peaceful? Would you bring to us joy? Oh God, would you bring that to us? We would ask for it. We know you can. We are your people. Oh God, that the amen might sound again among your people. That instead of being shriveled up and thrown to the wayside, that we'd be people of God. Bold and right, strong and at peace. Moving forward by the grace of our God. Give strength to all. And on that basis, oh God, we thank you. We praise your glorious and holy name. Isn't it amazing how that when you pray right, it loops right back about around to the beginning where you start? You start out, God, hallow your name. God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done. But I got to talk to you about my food. And I got to talk to you about forgiveness again. And I got to talk to you about freedom uh, from the bondage of the things that are, that are corrupting my mind and corrupting my soul and corrupting my life. You have the authority. You have the power. You are the glorious one. Move right back around. Thine is the glory. Kingdom, power. Kingdom come. Will done. Food, forgiveness. Freedom. God's authority. God's ability. God's aura. Right back around. Right back around. Right back around. What a beautiful, beautiful pattern to see in the past as being an active part of saints of old as to how they gain perspective for life and living. Everything in David's prayer connected to the three qualities of authority, ability, and glory. And my point is simple, and the point is that David prayed based upon a certain theology He had a certain thought as to what kind of God there actually was. That he prayed upon a well-determined sense of doctrine and a compelling sense of conviction that God was the ultimate authority, the ultimate ability, the ultimate glory. And on that basis, David found his life's purpose and his sense of daily Okay. Secondly, that which is clearly a part of the past is clearly going to be a part of the future. And I'd like you to turn to the last book of the Bible, please, the book of the Revelation, and look with me, secondly, at some expressions of uh, theology proper Uh, that govern our New Testament prayers as having a parallel in the forecast of biblical prophecy. And I want to read a number of scriptures, and so I'll have very little to say about these scriptures until we read them all. But I'm in Revelation chapter 4, and I'm looking at verse 10. Revelation 4, 10. We're talking about the future. We're talking about the prospects that we have concerning 
relating to God as the God of authority, the God of ability, the God of glory. Revelation 4.10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him, capital H, that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Go to chapter 5 and verse 11. And I beheld and heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing. Look at chapter 7. I'll pick up reading in verse 9. And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might, be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one more. Chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast Reign. Again and again and again, God's kingdom, God's power, God's glory will be on the lips of saints and angels forever and ever and ever. Again and again and again. This is the theme upon which we constantly acknowledge when we're talking to God now in prayer and someday before the very throne of God in our flesh. 
This is a phenomenal thing to wrap your mind around. Well, that which is the past pattern and that which is the future pattern obviously rests upon the present age in which we live. And we've only got time for one example this morning, although there's a number that we could turn to. Let's turn to Romans chapter 16, and I'll pick up reading in verse 25 uh, for a representation of the pattern uh, that is brought to bear upon our thinking and our praying right here, right now on earth as we talk to God. The Apostle Paul, Romans 16, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. And all God's people say, Amen. Thine is the kingdom expression of authority. Thine is the power, expression of divine ability. And the glory, an expression of the divine aura for emanating from within God's person is glory upon glory upon glory. Thine is the authority, the ability, and the glory, and that forever. And the simple reality, and the reason why I chose Romans 16 is the passage with which to end this morning, is because of the little word in verse 27, through. How is it that a junkyard dog like me, or a person like you, could have audience with the great and eternal God? who spoke a word and made the world. How is it possible that we could pray and that he would hear us and listen to us and respond to us? The answer is through Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Amen. No, long, no wonder that you and I are encouraged to uh, pray and to pray boldly before the throne of grace as we come to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's the primary reason why this particular month, in response to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, we're going to sing a great hymn Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. God's revelation is ever and always to be met with right-hearted response. King Jesus underscored this truth repeatedly in his messianic manifesto under study. 
Worship is never to be just going through the motions of religious activity, but genuine expression of relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This month, we've chosen number 12, Praise Him, Praise Him, as our sung response to God and the truth of the gospel. Heavenly Father, bless this congregation as we deliberately, based upon the preaching of thy authority, based upon the preaching of thy ability, based upon the preaching of thy glory and aura, direct our praise to Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose blessed name we do pray, and that forever. Amen. Let's